Pharaoh calls us. He calls us by name and he comes with a calling, an individual calling and, and a gifting and a road for you to walk in his kingdom for you to accomplish great things for his kingdom. And that's something that excites us. It's something that puts a fire and a passion in us. It's something we, we cherish. And all those things should be part of a believer who's on fire for God. At the same time, I think it's worth also exploring some of the dangers that can come along with that. Something that I want to submit to you that probably all of us have seen around us. In fact, I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that with this passion, it can be the very thing that blinds us from allowing others around us to express their gifts and callings and roles in the way that God has called them. And it's not always with our own bad intentions, but we have this passion and we start feeling like if everyone just got what I see, if they can see it the way I see it, then everything will be right in the world. Everything will be solved in Christianity and in the body of believers. And, and finally, it will be ready. Everything's going to be ready for the return of the Messiah. All right, we, we start heading down that kind of a road without starting to realize that the way we should cherish each other and each calling that might be slightly different from person to person, but yet all extremely important. So, dear brothers and sisters, thank you for joining us live here tonight on Rise on Fire. I have a dear brother with me here tonight. I'm introducing to you Chris Frankie from Oklahoma, and uh, he's the pastor of Hebraic Family Fellowship. Chris, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Thanks for having me on, PD. Uh, I just want to echo everything you said. Um, when we first came into the Torah, there was this zealousness of, of look at the feasts, look at the festivals, look at the Sabbath. Um, and most people who have been able to, to be on this walk 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, we can all point back to certain times, conversations, uh, things maybe we said, whether it's with families or others, that we wish we could take back. Um, you know, maybe it was the way we we expressed the love for the Sabbath and and how everybody else should feel that same love. Maybe it was for uh, Sukkot and, you know, getting to go camp out and hang out with our families or whatever. But there's there's at least one time in, in I think, almost everybody's life that they could say, man, I wish I could take that back and, and, mm -hmm. and not have witnessed that way. Well, when you start to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the offices outlined in the scripture, um, we have to be very careful to not make the same mistake we already realized we made when we started to keep the feasts, the festivals, and the Sabbath. And one of the easiest ways I've seen to not make the same mistake is you walk together with other people because they'll see your blind spots when you won't see your own blind spots. They'll see your shortcomings when sometimes you won't even see your own. And, you know, when you look at 1 Corinthians 12 and, and Paul's talking about the different gifts that are there, one, one that just sticks out to me is, is there's a gift to be able to discern spirits. And so, like, if, if God's given me the gift of healing, which I'm not saying he has, but if he's given me the gift of healing— there should be another individual who is either walking in the gift of wisdom, uh, yeah. of a special message of knowledge or discernment to be able to say, like, are you are you doing this for yourself? Are you doing this for the Lord? Like, this is where those balances come in. And I'm not going to yeah, tell you even, that I figured it all out. Yeah. Yeah. And even in um, and jointly working together in ministry, you know, in other yep. words, if 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 someone is really gifted in wisdom right from the holy spirit i'm not just talking about like earthly wisdom like from the holy spirit to see father things father's way uh and he's ministering with someone who like in your example the gift of healing there may be a time where that person with the gift of wisdom can can step in and be well what's actually causing this ailment for example it is this and that and something that can that can only be brought in by a supernatural revelation of wisdom from the father right so so we and and now suddenly you realize that the guy who has the gift of healing is edified by the guy of, with the gift of wisdom and it's a it's a collaboration 
versus if you you separating these people, you're putting them in different places. And you know, I think Chris, that's what's happened a lot, right? When we, we have have these, if you think about it, gifting groups, and and what I mean is like we have people who they group together based off kind of clicks that they form of people who are like them, who have the same passion, who have the same gifting, the same maybe um, office. And that's, you can kind of, I guess, expect that to a degree. People who are, who love teaching, they love other people who teach. I get that. But isn't it in reaching to those who aren't like us and who have very different uh, offices or gifts, that is the very thing we need to be doing, perhaps even sometimes more, because then we're we're actually learning things out of our realm, out of our comfort, and uh, you know, because that that comfort, and that's perhaps the big thing, is is this comfort we have with who we mingle and with whom we associate. Well, associate, you know, maybe that's not the right word, but with whom we we love to to minister with and join with in uh, ministry. Well, I would 100% agree with that because we see it even even it, taking the gifts out, we see it in just the pattern of behavior. So when, when we're really into, we want the Torah portions and we want to try to dive into a sowed level of the Hebrew and, and the numerology and all the other things that happen, we tend to, to make statements like we're not being fed or um, we really prefer to go over and be with this group of people. So if we do that on, on, on things like how we study or the topics we study, it would be just as natural to say, well, I walk more in an apostolic type of office. So the people who will get me are people who are more apostolic. And so it, you have to really come to a place of humility to to say, uh, hey, I don't walk in the gift of tongues. I don't walk in the gift of whatever it is. And all of a sudden I'm I'm either a ministering to which, you know, I'm in a pastoral position. So I, a lot of times I'm ministering or, or shepherding people who have a different skill set I don't have. And you have to get to a place of humility and say, if truly what we've asked for is for Yahweh to be the leader and Yeshua to be the head of the church, if Jesus is the head of the church and, and we want them to lead the church, then if the Lord is bringing those individuals to my church, even though I don't walk in that skill set, I have to figure out how to lead them and also be in humility while leading them that I, I can't just immediately say, okay, well, I'm an expert on tongues. I'm not an expert on tongues. So should I shut down the ability for somebody who has that gift? No, we need to find a mutually respective way to figure out, well, how do we, how do we apply that to our local congregation? Because we know that mm. gifts of the Holy Spirit, it also speaks in, in Corinthians where it talks about it, like it's in order and you can, you can see very quickly. It's, I, I think it's, I am paraphrasing. It's the Chris version of the Bible, but it basically says if, if, if this isn't a spirit that preaches Jesus, then, then you can automatically discern what spirit, because people can, pe the Bible says people will heal. And then on the day that they meet the Lord, he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. And so the gifting can be from other spirits. So you have to first figure out like one, are you in accord with Yeshua? and the right spirit is doing it and then you're actually given those gifts in a congregation or in a community for the health of the entire community so you all have to figure out how to walk together in order because the holy spirit is order mm. uh, there's something in, that i kind of picked up with what you were saying i think because you're speaking of you know like in your position being a pastor right that's that's a, in that way that's a challenge because like you said you have all these different people different gifts and you have to to try and, and help them and encourage them, even if that's not necessarily your, ex, your area of expertise, because of course, no man is an expert in every gift or, or role. But perhaps many others, uh, many people who are in a position like yourself, there's fear, there's fear of the unknown, fear of what they may even know, which is abuse that we've witnessed, like you mentioned. And so that's actually an authentic 
concern. It's not like these people aren't coming from a, a bad intention. That 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 concern is real. They they're afraid of what if I see what I saw in that church in my church now, <laughs> right? And and it's this lack of order. What if it, the lack the disorder enters my church, right? So. I can get that, and and perhaps it's uh, you can also think of a, a teacher who, who looks at an evangelist, and the evangelist ha- doesn't have perfect doctrine in the ways that the teacher would. He would the t- teacher would have said things a little differently there, right? And then there's there's kind of this criticism going that way because of that. Or the evangelist sees the teacher and he's questioning why is the pastor's church not reaching out to the local community more. Either way. If they would join together, if they would would not be hostile, but if even despite the abuses we've witnessed, we can come to the word and say, but there is a real thing and we need to get to the bottom of that. Perhaps that's a good place to start for us. I would I would agree because, you know, I already know I'm not the one stop shop for all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I know that. And I I would say, you know, we were talking about hypothetically others might be in fear, you know, being fully transparent. One, I'm not an expert on the gifts of the spirit. And I do I do have fear of some of them because I have no understanding of them. And so part of my prayer over the last year when we've seen the shift at HFF is that I don't need to be an expert on all the gifts. I don't need to be an expert on how, when, why to do those things. I need to have discernment as the Mm. shepherd to know the right person who has those and then empower them in the right way, Um, because it's not the same for everybody. You know, PD, if you if you and Christina moved to to Oklahoma City and you started joining HFF and then Nathan Harmon and Alexis moved, uh, both of you definitely have the gift of evangelism, but you both operate in that at sometimes similar, but it's sometimes different. And so sure. I couldn't say, okay, well, when the Harmons move and, and PD and Christina move, this is how we're going to deal with evangelism, because that would be like saying, okay, well, you're going to deal with Chris the same way you're going to deal with April, my wife. And we're just two completely different people. We think of things differently. And so there has to be a respect and a trust that is earned. And that's sometimes the hardest thing. You know, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is long suffering and being steadfast with one another. And so part of that is we have to be willing to develop a relationship, a trust, a bond and a respect so that we know that not everything is cookie cutter so that when, um, for example, I'll give this example because it's between you and I, we had Covenant Youth Camp last year and it was a brand new youth camp that we had planted through the church. And we, we wanted to do things a little bit differently than how we had led other youth camps. And part of that was we wanted to, to make space for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, even though, once again, I'm not an expert in those. And so I trust you. So when, when I brought you in and you're doing your, your teaching and, and at the end, like the Holy Spirit fell on you and said, hey, we need to do a time of ministry. And I, I believe I was actually on the stage playing acoustic or something behind you. But there was a trust to be able to say, I don't have to come control your gift because I've done life with you long enough to know that, that one, you hear from the Holy Spirit to your respectful. And then I stepped back and allowed you to do whatever the Holy Spirit wanted to do in that room. And what, what we saw was unlike anything I've seen, we, we saw healings, we saw miracles, we saw people dedicate their life to Christ. We saw people overwhelmed to get baptized. Uh, like that wouldn't have happened in the past if, if we weren't willing to develop a relationship and, and, and see each other and walk through those. And I don't know of, especially from a, from a, a Roots Bay Saturday church, I don't know of any church that is currently got people in all of the, walking in all of the giftings, at least um, corporately. Uh, and so if this is a, a foreshadow, and by the way, it's not just in the New Testament. I mean, there was, there was healings and there was miracles and there was, there was order and structure and all these offices were operated in the community of Israel throughout the entire Bible. So if, if we truly want to get back to be first century apprentices of Jesus, which I believe is the majority of this audience's goal, 
Right. We also have to understand the human side of that. And we have to be mindful of like, we all have hurt. We all have seen abuses. We've all seen people who've walked away. Well, we're not going to do tongues here yet. And so they just all go and they get together and they gather in Pentecostal right. or assemblies of God or whatever. So it really is, it, it, it's a maturing process that the Holy Spirit has to do that also includes a healing process of mm -hmm. our own hearts, our own insecurities, our own worries. And I can't say that I've, I've totally figured that out or I, I've been widely successful in all of that, but PD, we're seeing it happen in some congregations around the country where mm -hmm. there's at least a, a slow a slow movement to where people are tired of a dead religion. Um, they want to see the power and the presence of the Lord and they want to see the full Bible operate. And so now we're in a really cool, exciting time where mm -hmm. people at least seem to be open to that. So how do we not swing the pendulum too far and get to all tunnel vision on like, okay, everything is Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Like, and, and so we're going to, we're going to throw out teaching sound doctrine. We're going to throw out everything we knew. So how do we find the balance? Because uh, we run the risk of doing exactly what we've done before, which is okay. Well, we didn't have enough Torah. So now we swing so far into Torah that we lose Messiah. Okay. Now we're starting to say, okay, we're, we're steadfast. What was it? Two years ago, three years ago, we all met at HFF and we had 14 to 17 uh, men in a room and it was like, okay, so what can we actually agree upon? And everybody said, Jesus. And it was like, okay, well, that's good enough. Okay. So now that we know Jesus, <laughs> we can all agree upon Jesus. Like, how do we start opening our hearts, our doors and our minds to allowing people to, to walk in these gifts? Because nobody would say, some people are worried about tongues and, and I understand that, but like, so in the same passage, it says uh, some are given the gift of, of strong faith. How many of us would say like, no, we don't want more people in our congregation that have strong <laughs> faith. I don't know of anybody like, right. so how, P, PD, how do we find that balance? I mean, you know, I have a congregation and you have a ministry that travels around to congregations and events and really anybody who you can minister to. So, so how do we continue to bridge the gap between somebody who's got a home base with, with a flock, who's a part of his family. And we become not only a local family on mission, but we also become a regional national and international mm. family of God. That's on mission with each mm. other. I, I, I want to share this with everyone quick here from Ephesians four eleven because just so that everyone kind of gets on the same page with like what we're talking about in the word, um, see the offices uh, in short right here it says verse 11 and he gave apostles prophets evangelists shepherds and teachers okay now i'm going to stop right there because the first question we all need to ask ourselves is in our fellowships in our assemblies do we see each and every one of those things represented and if we do do we see them all represented in a way that is at least balanced to some extent Right. And I think that's the first thing we need to do, Chris, to, to answer your question is we have to recognize first that there is something more here in the word that we that and I, like, you know, like you said, and like I'm saying, am I saying that I have a fellowship that's got all of this sorted out right now? No, I don't. Right. And so the but but I can see it in the word and I can see it's there and I can see, well, if it's in the word, the Holy Spirit desires that. And I know he desires that because I can feel him in me saying, this is what we need to do. And, I'm, and I believe many people, you know, who are listening to this will can testify of the same thing. It's like, where are these others, other offices? We, we definitely have the teachers. We definitely have the shepherds. And I think this is representative of, of basically all of Christianity. You know, we have evangelists, um, to an extent, that's something that's perhaps we could see more of. Um, when we come to prophets, well, especially here in the West, that is a no-no word. I'm not even allowed to say that because it's like we all know where that goes when we think of what that word means to us. Uh, we think about politics. We think about things that are said that never come to pass and so on. So there's baggage right there, the, the hurts that, that you mentioned earlier. Um, and then we have the word apostles, and it's like, well, 
and then we have is, is that just the people from the first century the 12 right we're, we're, we don't allow, we're not how allowed to have any more apostles that's that's a, a office has passed away right so there's a lot of dialogue that's needed about like each and every one of these so so it has to begin with basic teaching to our congregations about the reality that these exist and what they are and then then starting to think about how where can we begin with which one of these offices can we begin encouraging more and seeing if that can if there if there are people who can be raised up into those positions is there is there an evangelist because ultimately it says at, at the end of the uh, in the next verse that the purpose of these offices are to equip right to equip the saints for the work of ministry in other words the saints all of the skills that these offices have are to be taught to the whole body now that's interesting it's not just that the teachers teach and that's what we've done right we've had teachers and they've they've been really they've done an amazing job at teaching but there are all these other offices and they're also supposed to equip and so if we only have say teachers or perhaps only shepherds or whatever or even only evangelists because there are uh, certain churches that are very missions driven at the cost of sound doctrine again so whatever it is we need a, a balanced approach to all of these. And so perhaps beginning with that realization first is key. And then recognizing that, look, guys, it's not a competition because so oftentimes I think it's maybe it's a, I don't know if it's a, a Western capitalist mindset, but, but it's like this, we're in competition with each other in ministry and, and churches are in competition with one another. And it's like, how many members do we have? What do we need to do to get more members? And and when and then it becomes about a man and then he is the guy and then the other roles don't get the other people in the congregation don't get to enter their roles so then we have a, a pride issue creep in and that can also be a, a root issue of why not always but it can be an issue of why and so a, a really healthy fellowship is going to be marked by allowing encouraging training equipping the different whether it's offices or gifts, which we can we can go into that in a bit too, in the fellowship itself, because then we move away from the. If you think about where this all comes from, and I'm not saying it's it's only where it comes from, but but some of this is really historic. Uh, the the our our very far forefathers, right? Many of us were had Catholic forefathers, and and when you go back far enough. We know that the model was that you had the priest and he was the minister and no one else was doing anything really in ministry. People came to church, listened and went home. But now God has, has been breaking us free from that tradition to get people participating. And now we're getting to a place where we have to go deeper and evaluate deeper to lift people up so they can become the hands and feet of the Messiah like in the first century. Yeah, and I was actually at a pastor's lunch this afternoon with uh, pastors of many different denominations across the the city of Norman, and they were having the same conversation. It seemed like there was this this series of years where um, there was almost a like a friendly fire war from church to church to church to church. And so a lot of times, like, you know, we're in the root side of Christianity. And so like, we see that very prevalent with us and we act like maybe it's, it's just us. It's not just us. It's, it's, it's also exists in the different denominations of Christianity. Mm. And so, but yet there seems to be, you know, so in 2011, when, when we started HRN and the revive conference, I, I, I was racking my brain when I was going over the outline for, for tonight. I don't remember in all the teachers that we were inviting, even some of the young ones that we were, we were kind of like trying to give, you know, opportunities or breakouts to teach. I don't remember a, a full Bible evangelist. Um, I don't remember very many. There's David Jones down in Florida, but I, I don't remember at that time uh, very many full Bible shepherds. 
A lot of times mm-hmm. you had teachers who were mm-hmm. operating as shepherds, whether it was a home fellowship or the community center or whatever. And again, this isn't a knock against any office. All offices are good. And it says it's it's for the building up of the body until we attain unity. Right. So like even if you have all of those offices, you still have to build people up for there to be unity amongst the offices, according to Ephesians. And so now I fast forward to, you know, 2020, 2021, I start meeting you. Nathan Harmon, you know, all of a sudden you have Matthew, Matthew Vanderels and Matt Knapper um, who are, are pastoring and shepherding flocks with, with Nathan Hall. And, and there's many, many more. It's not, those are just ones that I have close relationships with. So when we look at the offices, all of a sudden over the last maybe five to six years, we're seeing a, a drastic shifting of people who are walking in different offices and functions of those offices for the first time since 2011 so roughly 10 years you know you see this growth that's there um that's super positive and super exciting um but they also happen you know kind of sporadic you know because the roots base is still kind of fragmented out there and how they do things and so you don't hear from a congregation in tennessee um we have a we have a 60 year old evangelist who's walking in the office of evangelism in our our Saturday church. Um, so it's 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 somewhat hard in the sense that there's not a whole lot of correspondence and and community amongst all the leaders so that I could say, OK, well, as a pastor in Norman, um, I have some some individuals in my church who I believe have the gift of evangelism and should walk in the office of evangelism. I, I personally don't have that. So c- could I bring you in or could I bring, could we work cooperatively to help teach and train up these people in all of these local groups that are around the country? Um, and I believe the Lord's going to do that. I believe he's going to bring those people. I believe he's going to bring people who are walking in that, but that's a necessity because the Bible is all about olders teaching the younger. And some of that comes with just wisdom of the office. And so, um, I do think it's coming, PD. Like I, I do, because I've already seen a movement on it in in just in ten years, um, where where the focus is being a little bit more open to that. And my own personal testimony is, I really walked probably more in an office of an apostle for the last fifteen to sixteen years than a pastor or a shepherd. Um, I'm kind of just figuring out how to be a shepherd because I know the Lord told me that I'm supposed to be a shepherd in this season. And mm-hmm. so sometimes people, people can walk in, in multiple offices or giftings and they're supposed to do one for a season or one for another. Cause again, it's all for the edification of the body to build up and, and to strengthen. And so if the Lord had me in an apostolic type of role for many, many years, and he doesn't want me there anymore, then I also have to be wise enough and submit to him and learn how to be something different so he can still use me rather than saying, well, you're only going to use me, Lord, if I get to do what I want. And sometimes we see that. It's like, well, I want to speak in tongues or I want to be an evangelist. And the Lord's like, well, I want you to be a teacher. or I want you to be an apostle. And we're like, no, no, Lord, I want to do this. So sooner or later, we have to submit to what the Lord actually wants and not try to like, go claim our calling and walk in a calling that's not really ours. Amen. Uh, I want to I want to read this also from Eleanor uh, Wyatt. Uh, she said the, the work of ministry is to bear good fruit. What is the fruit of your congregation? Examine the fruit to see which offices are lacking in function. That's a very interesting perspective uh, to, to think about. You know, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. What what is the is it is it yeah. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, I, I know Eleanor, Eleanor and I go way, way, way back like 2007 and she's right. Um, yeah. if, if you have the gift of prophecy PD, uh, cause you brought that up as a specific situation where most of the time the fruit of, of the office yeah. of the prophet has not been good. Um, we should examine everything by fruit. The yeah. Bible gives us the fruit of the Holy spirit to say like, Okay, well, if you're an evangelist, is there peace? If there's not, okay, something's out of order. Is there joy? Um, maybe there's one, right. but maybe there isn't another one. Like, and and that's part of finding the full balance is to see the fruit. Um, and unfortunately, fruit 
sometimes takes time. Yeah. And that's part of what we were saying earlier is sometimes you have to be patient. Like if you have a gift, sometimes there has to be a bearing of fruit in order for the two parties to be able to work cooperatively in, in a congregation, in a ministry, in ministry functions. Yeah, sometimes if someone enters a congregation and they have a gift, you know, and this is another thing, Brian and sisters, I want you to, to know is, you know, you can feel passionate and zealous about a gift. I mean, I remember, you know, when the father started laying a lot of things on my heart, I was very excited about it. And I'm sure many of you can connect with that. And then I wanted to share it and I want and I felt like I, I could add something to the body and that's fine. That's a godly desire, but let God open the doors. Let God bring the opportunity. Let God be the one that says now's the time to do so, because sometimes we think we're ready for it when we're really not ready yet. And someone like a, a shepherd of a congregation, they are given discernment by God to know, okay, it's time to give this guy his opportunity. Sometimes, like, you know, I think back and there were there were opportunities that I thought, oh, I wish I could have shared something. And then I'm like, I'm glad I'm looking back. I'm, like, I'm glad that that there was a shepherd there who kept me where I was at. And who didn't like hand me the mic because I certainly wasn't ready for it. So let the father open the door at the right time and don't get angry at your shepherd. <laughs> get angry at the father and pray that he gives brings the right time along and puts on the shepherd's heart when that time comes. Um, people are, I mean, uh, our, our, our pastors and, and so on, they, they want the best for us. You know, they want us to grow responsibly and they don't want to have your own gift be the very thing that destroys you because you're not actually ready for what it is yet. That's a good word right there. Yes, you will destroy yourself with the gift if, if you're not using it mm. by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a good and word. Humility, humility, I, I, you know, like me. huge. You need humility because otherwise the moment that people start looking at you that way, you know, that that way of, wow, God did something through you. If you're not knees to the ground, it's it destroys you in a heartbeat because Satan's looking to do that. If, if he sees you, oh, you know, you're being gifted by the father. God wants to use you here and there. Like his next step is how can I get him to fall? And I'm going to and he's going to try and get you to fall by well, by pride. That's that's the number one plan of the enemy from the garden. So he's going to entice you with the praises of men to get you to compromise and to take the glory for yourself or to to become puffed up in pride, to consider yourself as higher, more than you ought to think of yourself, not sober mindedly. Well, I want to give a personal testimony to confirm that word. My my youngest brother and my mom in 2014, I think it was, um, I was leaving my position uh, in the ministry I helped found in Nashville, and I was taking a, a pretty high position with a larger ministry in Oklahoma. And it was going to be a lot farther away from my family in Ohio. And both of them came to me and they said, why do you have to take this ministry? You know, you're, you're a gifted speaker. Um, you know a lot about the Bible. People like to follow you. Um, why, why wouldn't you just go do what, what the Lord is, is, is giving you to do? And I looked at him and I flat out said, I said, well, I'm going to do what the Lord's told me to do. And they said, well, why wouldn't you just start your own thing? Um, and I didn't necessarily have the answer. I kind of thought I had the answer, but I definitely wasn't, I wasn't humble enough to say it to him. And that was, is that I was a narcissist. And, and if, if I would have tried to start my own thing in 2014, I would have done so out of my calling, not out of the calling of the Lord. And I would have probably been dangerous to any single person who would have come, whether it was a church or it was an online ministry, whatever it was, um, because I had else's thoughts in my mind. It was mine. And and so I had to go through a, a season of, of learning how to just sit and, and be taught and be a student and, and, and adjust who some of the negative parts of who I was um, until the point where even then I didn't want to be a shepherd. I didn't want to run a ministry. 
but the Lord was like, well, I'm not going to release you from it because you've never done it. And so I had to step out at that point in time and realize what was a concern of myself in my shortcomings, in my own pride, my own ego, my own narcissism, my own arrogance in 2014, it very easily could come back in 2023 now that i do have the opportunity and the lord was super gracious he he brought uh brent he brought some other elders uh older men to be able to lock arms with me and say like okay you know how do you believe the lord's telling you to do this and then afford me still like i'm not the dominant pastor preacher on the pulpit at hff right now brent avery is why because i'm sitting as a student as the senior pastor of my own church in an area that i don't excel in because I know that if I am a student and I show that, that the Lord will tell me when and if the time is right to step into those types of roles, if those are. But I had to, I had to be self, self-aware enough to understand that if I would have listened to my mom and my brother in 2014, I would have probably damaged hundreds if not thousands of lives because the reason why I would have stepped into that calling was not because I was called, it's because I chose to do it. And so I'm a living testimony of understanding, like sometimes you don't step at that point because you're not ready. Mm, I mean, I mean, that's a good brother. Thank you for sharing that, that was very powerful. And uh, thank you for opening your heart here about that. Um, I, I wanna also read uh, some of the, um, further gifts here for people to to understand and and I want you as you're listening to this brothers and sisters to also think of these as to if the father is calling you into any of these uh, we read this uh, Romans 12 verse 6 having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith if service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And it's interesting, he says in proportion to our faith. In other words, faith is something we know, we all, we are maturing, we are growing in faith. And therefore, as we have it today, we exercise it and we're praying, we're pressing in for God to lead us into more and to show us how to grow in our fellowship, in communion with one another. And keep your eyes off the stage. Keep your eyes off become, being influential. Keep your eyes off. I like those things are useless things because they're worldly things. Like if, if the father has a place for you, he'll use you. He'll put you where you need to be. And who he puts you in front of is all that matters, whether it's a million or if it's one person in the kingdom of God, when you stand before him, that's not what's going to make or break your ministry. It's not even going to be on the table. It's going to be about what you did with what he gave you and whether you were honorable towards what he entrusted to you or whether you were reaching for more or whether you were burying what you did have. So. Amen, brother. That was good. Thank you for sharing that as well. Uh, what you added there was really well, good. I, I mean, what when you start talking about uh, those gifts that are there too, not just the office, is like, you know, wouldn't the best thing you could do with the gift you have is to impart that onto somebody else? Mm. So if you have the gift of evangelism, um, to your point of, the stage and the lights like i toured around the country and and i got to lead worship at a lot of places now we're messianic so that's like point zero 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 four percent of self-professing christians in the united states of america so let's put everything into perspective for a second like traveling around the country and getting to lead worship or speak on a stage um, it may feel good. It may feel like it's an affirmation and maybe it is like, I'm definitely not saying that I'm the Lord and I'm judging it, but like as a guy who's done that for many, many years, the greatest affirmation I get right now is not even on Saturdays when we gather. It's when I can meet with individuals in my church who I see giftings, I see talents, I see things in them and I can sit with them and maybe just maybe I can help them 
walk in abundance of that. And so um, the goal for HFF, for our church, and I don't know whether it's one year or 20 years, that's the Lord's call. Like, I don't plan on being on the stage at all in, in that church um, because that doesn't make me the leader. It doesn't make me popular. It doesn't make me right. It doesn't make me Holy Spirit inspired because I get to be on the stage. It's can I replicate fruit of the scripture in the lives of other individuals? We call mm -hmm. that somewhat discipleship. Um, but, you know, the whole lens has to shift. Like you have to be looking for the gifts. You have to be looking for people who have those and then trying to pair them with other individuals who maybe have walked in that so that they can grow up in that, so that they can edify the body of Christ, i.e. HFF or Rise on Fire events or, or literally wherever they're planted. But that's the other thing is that we don't see in Romans, we don't see Ephesians, and we don't see in Corinthians that as soon as somebody recognizes the gift that they have or they recognize the office, that they immediately go someplace else to use it. They have mm -hmm. to be called to go someplace else to use it. And so from our corner of Christianity, a lot of times people will see something really popular or they'll see a congregation that's like blowing up and they'll sell their house and they'll move away from their family all to go like, I want to serve there. I need to be there. Well, this is part of the problem. Like what if the gift you were given was to sit put in that little five person home study or that 100 person fellowship and to serve with the gift there, not to go mm. join the next big thing or the most popular thing. Because ultimately, sometimes you're supposed to do it there and then maybe God will send you out. Maybe you won't, maybe it's literally for there forever. And you have to be okay with that. Amen, amen, you know, I, and that's a, the big, that's a big deal. The question is not, is that is that fellowship looking nice? Is that look like a good deal? But is it where the father has called you? End of story. That's the, the big question. And can you tell me that this is absolutely what the father is telling you and your family to do? Or is this your idea because of all of these other reasons? Now, there's nothing wrong with moving. And I know that's not what Chris is saying, you know. But I do I do see what you're saying, Chris, and I think that that happens a lot. And sometimes it's not easy staying put. Sometimes it's very uncomfortable. Sometimes it's with people that you don't even feel like you like. And then we go to greener pasture. We try and go to greener pastures. But what if being around people that are sometimes more difficult to minister to is the point? Because if we can't even learn to love each other, how are we going to love our enemies and those who backbite us and backstab us in the world as our Messiah has absolutely called us to do. It's a great exercise ground and then it's difficult sometimes to even love fellow believers. But nevertheless, it's something that's absolutely expected. I mean, even the disciples, Peter's like, how many times should I forgive my brother? He was probably talking about one of the others right there, like who just yeah, they were always feelings. fighting. They were always yeah. like, who's the best? Like, Lord, who's the best? Who's the best? Like, we haven't we haven't evolved too much from from <laughs> that standpoint, because we're still like, well, who's the best messianic teacher? Who's the best prophet or whatever? And it's like, <laughs> all of you were given a gift. Ephesians says, Ephesians says, all of you were given a gift before you were born. It was put in you by Jesus that you should walk in it. So you, you still have a choice whether or not you get to walk in it. But some of that, and, and I'll take full responsibility as a shepherd here. Some of that is that we've fallen into the cycle that we're not trying to foster that in people. And, and some of that can be fear-based. You know, I, I, I've been very adamant in the testimony of the healing we had in the church. Like when they called and they asked me to lay hands on them, I was fearful. I was like, okay, Lord, I know it says it in your scripture, but like, what happens if I lay hands and the baby doesn't make it? Like, I don't know that they're going to be yelling at you. They're going to be looking at me. And so there is a, a real tangible human element to all of these things that are happening. Mm. But I've learned, I've learned to be a spectator of what God's doing. And so like, even when I got to come to Arkansas and be a part of your event up there, um, I enjoy sitting back and watching you 
minister. I enjoy watching Tom Campbell allow the Lord just to come and use you. I don't fully understand all of it. I don't need to fully understand it. I, I don't believe I could replicate it. Maybe, I don't know. But like, I enjoy not having to feel like I have to be that role or that office. And so there's no bitterness. In fact, if anything, you become you become others cheerleaders because what you start to see is you don't see the man anymore because every man has their fault. Every woman has their yeah. fault. What you start to see is what God sees. And you say like, oh my goodness, like the Lord has his hand on PD right now. This is so awesome. Yay, God. Yay, PD for submitting to God. Like you start to just get excited about that. And, you know, you read exhortation, you know, we really struggle with that as as a core group of people that like to to just give exhortation like you can do it keep going it's gonna be okay like people need that like yeah. you know we need to hear like it's okay we laid hands on somebody and they didn't they didn't get healed in this moment it's okay keep going the lord is with you like we need to we need to be our brother's keepers, not just trying to correct, correct theology, but to also encourage them forward in finding a gift that maybe they don't, they don't know they have. And maybe once they find it, it's a gift you don't have. The Lord's really good about playing Tetris with his people in the gifts of like, okay, HFF yeah. in the next year, you're going to need whatever it is. Like he will raise it up. You have to make sure that you don't kill it. <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest danger. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, and that's the, that first thing you mentioned. I think that's one of the there's I think there's four things I want to talk mention about. So now, you know, how do we bring this change in our fellowship? And and one of the first things I wanted to say is encouragement. In other words, encourage. If there is no encouragement, no one's going to step into the fullness of their gift, their office, whatever that is. So we have to create a number two, a safe environment. In other words, a place where they can feel safe enough to actually enter that and know that there is number three, accountability, someone who's got their back and who they can trust and who's going to gently come and help them if they fall. And when they do make mistakes, they make so they make their mistakes safely, have a soft landing and learn from those mistakes because and here that's the other thing brother is we're so scared of making mistakes we end up doing nothing because and fear rules us because we're afraid of making mistakes but if we have an environment that is crafted to be safe because there's accountability then there's nothing to fear anymore because the holy spirit can come in and and nurture that person along in a way that they can grow in safely instead of you know, like we discussed, like giving them what they need in that moment. And then the last thing is, is training, training individuals like you're talking about discipleship, uh, training a congregation on, uh, on, on, th on, on perhaps even protocol of when this happens in our fellowship regarding this, uh, this gift, this is how we will deal with it because and, and you don't need to be an expert in that gift to teach this because it's in the Bible. It's it's laid out by Paul for us, for example, you know, regarding how do you deal with the gift of tongues? How do you deal with the gift of prophecy? Prophets are subject to the prophets. Uh, gift of tongues need an interpreter. Like these are our basic elements that are taught in the scriptures that we can equip our fellowship with so that when those things happen, because we're expectant now, we're now God. OK, Lord, we don't know what this looks like. We are we're newbies. We're learning, but Father, we're opening ourselves. We're opening our congregation up to to your Holy Spirit moving. And and I think that that's the key, brother. I know even in your fellowship, you know, that that you made a decision. You were just like, Father, I'm just I'm opening this up. I'm opening this place up to you. I'm believe I'm going to believe for greater things, even if it's uncomfortable, even if I don't understand it. You know, I know that's what you went through. And that's that's what what we all need to do is, is open that up so that he can come and have his way. That means we need to surrender our what we think, our desires, our comforts and let him come and move. And that's what well, that's what faith is. Faith is taking a risk. It's it's 
uncomfortable, it, it feels scary. It's walking on water. But when you get on that water and the massage is there with you and you look around and you realize you're standing and everyone else sees that who's on the boat and then faith is built in the entire congregation like like you guys saw of that healing. Well, the grace is sufficient. The Lord's grace is sufficient to cover those those times where maybe you ran too fast or or you didn't move quickly enough and and again, I'm not the expert and, and I don't have it all figured out. Um, I, as John Diff would put it, I'm probably on top of Mount Stupid right now. Um, but I, I'm at a place where I understand that this is what the Lord wants. And in order for the Lord to have his way and me to still remain the pastor, because that's a key thing. Like the Lord's going right. to have his way one way or another. Either I'm going to squelch it all or he's going to remove me and he's going to let the outpouring happen. And, and, and I don't want either one to happen. I want the outpouring to happen without having to be removed. And then I also don't want to be the one who squelches it. And so like, as you were going through those four points, I, I love those four points because if, if as a shepherd, you know, just take me, for example, if, if I see somebody who, who is walking towards a certain gift that, that they might have, if, if I go and I embrace them and I start to walk that out with them, not only is there a safe space, they know that I'm with them. There's also still an order in place. But if we do have something that steps out of balance or whatever, there's already a relationship and a love and a respect for each other in the community to be able to say like, hey, I have a concern. Okay, let's dialogue. Um, there needs to be more healthy dialogue in congregations. There needs to be more room for the Holy Spirit to move. Um, and that's not forcing the Holy Spirit to come by basically just throwing all the rules and all, all of the other things out the door. Like, you know, the, the Holy Spirit operates in order. But I do genu genuinely believe that most of the reason why you don't see more of the offices and more of the gifts is because they're just not welcome whether it's the spiritual yeah. leader or the uh, the attitude and heart posture of the people in the congregation. And if, if the leader of the congregation doesn't attempt to lead the people to a different heart posture, it won't happen. You have to lead towards a place where, where you're expecting the Lord to do these things and then you're waiting for him to manifest those in the lives of people and as soon as you see an opportunity to support that, you you walk up alongside of them and help support them. Um, if we start talking about it more, PD, if we start teaching about it more, if, if we make our Sabbath services incorporate more of the Holy Spirit and, and what that looks like, more people won't be foreign to it. More people won't be scared of it. More people will be more in tune spiritually to even have their eyes and hearts open to the possibility of that. And uh, that's really all HFF is at right now. Like we, we don't have some sort of great fulfillment story. We can talk about experts. It's just we've changed our heart, heart posture towards the fact that there are individuals in our church who have gifts that currently are not being fostered. And so now the prayer is turned like, Lord, show me, help me, lead them so that those can be manifested in our congregation. And I feel like it's happening. I, I can't, I can't necessarily share some testimonies right now because it's still in the midst of things, but like Next our time. heart posture has changed. And so, you know, obviously PD, you'll know as soon as they happen. Cause like, I'm like just jumping for joy, sending you text messages, even on Shabbat when like it says <laughs> PD has his phone silenced. So like, <laughs> but it's not going to stop me from testifying of what the Lord continues to do because you know, he deserves the glory. Amen. Amen, brother. That's awesome. So I, I wanted to, uh, I saw these, uh, some of these comments. I just want to share them here. Um, Renee said, I know I'm called to teach, but when I first learned about that several years ago, I ran from it because I wasn't ready to step into that office at that time. Well, that's very, that's good, Renee, in that you recognize that at that time and that humility is perhaps the very thing that sets us apart for the father that he's like, I want to use you 
because when you can recognize, because he, he usually starts revealing to us the things that he's calling us to before we're ready for it, like definitely. So it takes humility and responsibility to nurture that until you're ready for it. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, Tyler said, uh, nothing sets a person so much out of the devil's reach as humility. Amen. That's Amen. Cool. All right. Well, brother, I, thank I you love, so much. I love reading that okay. coming from Tyler, man. You know, yeah. Tyler is such a great brother. Amen. Uh, brother, please share with me any of your concluding thoughts. And then I'd love for you to, to just pray for us regarding this as well as for any leaders, perhaps even listening in tonight. Well, closing thoughts, I would say like, you have to change your heart posture, especially if you're a leader. Um, but really anybody, if, if your heart posture currently is closed off to portions of the scriptures, uh, specifically in regards to this conversation, to the gifts, the offices, or the manifestations, and we didn't even get a chance to go really into the different manifestations of the Holy Spirit as outlined in scripture. But if your heart is closed off to those, then it, why would you expect to see a healing? Why would you expect to have a prophetic word? Why would you expect to have certain words of knowledge um, you've closed yourself off from the ability to be present with the Lord in those spaces. And so the first thing is really just changing your heart posture to allowing the Lord to reveal himself when and how he wants to in those areas, whether it's in your own life or in the lives of others around you, whether you fellowship with them or they're your friends or their family or whatever. Um, and then from a pure leader's standpoint, like, we have an eight-year-old church in Norman. Um, it's not new. It'll be eight years in, I think, a week, two weeks, something like that. Um, for seven years, we didn't foster an atmosphere. And again, I was a part of that. So I'm not like it was on me too, where we didn't foster an atmosphere looking for people to be able to find the gift that they were given, let alone to be encouraged to development or grow in it. And I won't say that those years were bad, but what I've, I've experienced the Lord do in his presence and his outpouring um, in one year of just changing the atmosphere and saying, Lord, it's yours. Here we are. Do whatever you want to do. Um, what we've experienced in one year is far surpassing to the previous uh, six years of the fellowship. And so um, it might be scary. There might be some fear based there. There might be some lack of understanding. Um, I had all of them, literally all three of those things. But I finally stopped playing games and said, I'm going to let the Lord do whatever the Lord wants to do here. And I'm not going to be the reason why he can't do it. And it, if you as a leader of a congregation or a home group, if you can get to the place where you can fully submit the congregation, the flock, whatever it is you have oversight of um, to the Lord, and recognize that it is literally by the grace of God that you get to do what you do. Um, the Lord will show up. He will lengthen the tent post. He will manifest his spirit. Um, and it will revolutionize your relationship with the Lord. And so I just really strongly want to encourage you. You know, I've been in the Messianic Hebrew roots, whatever you call it, for 17 years. The last year of my life has been unlike anything I have ever experienced in the previous 16 years. And I will never go back uh, unless there's an audible word of the Lord, which I don't believe will happen. And so I just want to encourage you tonight. If you, uh, if you have a congregation, um, if you have a home group, if you have a fellowship, maybe you're just a family, maybe you're just a mom or a dad tonight watching and, and you don't have that. And so you fellowship at home, foster an environment where at the very level of your own children, you're looking for the spiritual gifts, no different than you're looking for the gift of the possibility to become a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. Um, if you do that, the Lord will show up and he will manifest himself. Amen, brother. Amen to all of that. Uh, please uh, end off for us in a prayer. And then, yeah, we'll conclude. I'll conclude after that for us. Okay. Dear Yahweh, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for, for his atoning sacrifice, for willingly giving his life. Lord, uh, as we continue to try to become like you and to model our lives, our thoughts, our actions, our words after you, 
continue to empower us by your Holy Spirit, Lord, not only with the good things, but Lord, to reveal anything that might not be of you in our souls, our spirits, our walk, our mouth, Lord, mold us, shape us to be more like the image of Jesus. And so, Lord, uh, I just thank you for PD and the ministry of Rise on Fire. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to just share and testify of your graciousness and your goodness. And for any person who's listening, whether it's been live or it's afterwards, Lord, uh, meet them there in that place. Uh, give them your peace, your joy, your your long-suffering, Lord. Uh, outpour your Holy Spirit in the offices and the gifts in their communities, in their homes. Empower them, Lord, to, to help push back the darkness in this world with the gift that you gave them before they were born. So, Lord, we love you. We, we give you all the praise, all the adoration, all the glory, for you are worthy of all our praise, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. That's awesome. Guys, what an amazing testimony of his life. You know, I'm, I'm a witness of it all, and I just appreciate his humility so much. And I honor him for, for coming on here tonight to open his chest about all of these things with us. Uh, so I just want to thank you also for joining us here tonight. Uh, if uh, this has been a blessing to you, consider partnering with the ministry. We also love to bless our guests. And um, if you uh, want to be reminded of joining these live shows, you can text Yeshua to 94000. Yeshua to 94000 and you'll get a text when we go live. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you guys next time. Blessings to you and Shalom.